Y'all got your drink fellas. That's my drink. It was like, ooh, Al lips look so good. I got good everything, trust What else you got good, Al? <laughs> Take a look at that picture I sent you. I just figured I'd get the girls a little preview <laughs> of the spring summer collection, a.k.a. Okay. my party. It is TGIF. This is what y'all came for, right? Y'all came for this. Hey everybody, it's your girl Claudia Jordan. It is back and I am back with the fellas for a fresh new shady episode of TGIF. Now we're here to spill the tea and break down some of the biggest headlines in the news and on social media. So sit back, relax and get ready for your weekly dose of this hot tea. So with, uh, let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. Please welcome multimedia personality and talk show host Funky Dineva. Hey Claudia, hey Al. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> hey, hey. And please welcome brand strategist Al Reynolds. Hey, Al. What's going on, Claudia? Is someone going to tell me, please, uh, what the hand gesture means? Offline. I'll tell you. I don't want to start a, 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 a right. long storm. I'll tell you offline. <laughs> but right. those that know, no. Okay, gotcha. All right. What's everybody uh, drinking on tonight? Anybody having a drink? Believe it, believe it or not, once again, for another week in a row, I am saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Spirit. I'm drinking this good old water from my new filter out my refrigerator. <laughs> I'm drinking hot green tea again tonight. Okay, so we're all just very pure and refined tonight. We're we trying to take our little piece of job serious. You know, what, what other job, you know, in America, you could go down to the job house and drink on the job. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get picked up on multiple channels across the U.S. and stuff, and I don't want the, the people to think I got a drinking problem. <laughs> I, 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 I lo it only took y'all not eight months to get it together and take it serious. I love it. Better late than never. Okay. Without further ado, let's jump into some of these hot topics. We got a lot of show to cover tonight. A lot of, lot of stuff. Well, it's official. Uh, one of our the greatest groups of our time is back together after 15 years. The Fugees are going on a world tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their album, The Score. Do you think Lauren Hill will be on time for her performance? She's notorious for being a little bit late. What do y'all think, fellas? Listen, somebody just texted me and told me she just arrived at Aretha Franklin funeral. I'm here to tell y'all something. Y'all would be a damn fool if y'all take y'all ass down to Ticketmaster, Live Nation, or any other nation and buy tickets for this. They, listen, until I see all three of them sit down on the Yana Van Zandt Fix My Life, and sort out what the hell going on until I see Wyclef apologize to that lady for making her get pregnant or go crazy or have an abortion or whatever it is she did. Until they fix all of that, and I know that Proz is off drugs and every damn thing else he was on, I am not putting up my credit card, buying no tickets for this mess. Then you got to make sure that the weather aligned with the stars and the moon and her rising sign. You got to make sure she got crushed ice and everything else on her rider in order for her to show up four hours late, looking like an angry, upset, black-faced clown, just to cuss out the crowd for her energy not being right. I am sorry. I am not interested. Now, what I will do, if they post a link for a $35 pay-per-view, a live stream situation... I'm here for that. But Lauren Hill will not goop me into this scheme that she just wrote Wyclef and Proz in. No God, hunty. Ten years ago, I got to co-host a New Year's Eve party with uh, Tyrese in New York City. It was a super dope event. And Lauren Hill was the featured singer. And let's just say she missed the countdown. Okay. She missed all of it. Uh, so, Al, what do you think about this? Do you think it's going to work or not? 
Man, this is it's been 15 years in the making. If if production can put a picture back up right there, though, the picture that they showed of Lauren Hill, can you guys pull that back up? So this particular picture is in New York City, if I'm not mistaken. And I think I, if you look on my Instagram, I was at this event and I was backstage hanging out and I was just like, ooh, when is she going on? Hour one passed, hour two passed. I'm like, ooh, 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 when is she going on? Hour three passed. I was like, okay, is she going on at all? So I'm like, cue on this one. I, I mean, I really would love to see this. You know, we know that they sold over 21 million records worldwide. What an amazing group at that time but i'm like you a pay-per-view yes but i don't know i want all the soulmates to hit us up if you guys get a ticket and if you actually go to a concert and she's actually come out on time and it's it's one thing being late but the lack of respect they're like oh well i i need everything to be in alignment and like you said that's not even just a joke like she's yeah. really like that like the moon like she has yeah. to wait for planets to be in alignment and all kinds of weird things before she feels her energy's right and then she come bring out all that depression and sadness on stage with that sad clown makeup, singing and hollering in a key that's only recognizable to wolves. Oh I'm not here for it. <laughs> I'm not here for it. All right. Let us know, uh, soulmates, if y'all go to that concert. I'm not going. All right. Earlier today, uh, Jennifer Huff spoke to the ladies of The Real about her lawsuit against Nicki Minaj and Kenneth Penny, Petty, alleged lawsuit. And uh, let's take a look. That Nikki and Kenneth were harassing you in what way? With them sending people to negotiate numbers as far as money is concerned with family members. And Nikki is the one who personally reached out to me. She's, you know, in regards to helping her, helping them in this situation. And then the threats that I received because I kept saying no to every offer, to every suggestion. The last um, incident was when um, one of their associates put $20,000 on my lap and I still kept saying no. The last message I received was that I should have taken the money because they're going to use that money to put on my head. Now, Jennifer also mentioned that she spoke to Nikki Minaj directly back in March, she said in the interview, and that she agreed to fly her family out to Los Angeles to settle this ordeal. But Jennifer declined the offer. What are your thoughts on the information? that Taco Shell, you don't need to stress. Everybody's invited. You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first saw that The Real was doing this interview, I was very taken aback. I'll be the first to admit that I was not fully aware of all the details of this case, but I was kind of taken aback because I was like, the real is not even this type of show. This is just messy. Then when I watched the interview, I also want to give, in the midst of all this chaos, I want to give a shout out to Gar uh, Garcelle Beauvoir because she handled this interview so well. She had the level of delicacy and compassion needed to do so because I questioned their ability to do that. And with her not having a talk background, she did an amazing job. So listen, for me, my gut response was, this is old, leave it alone. If this man was not married to Nicki Minaj, this would not be a story. She wouldn't even get an interview in the Weekly Reader, yet alone the real. After finding out more information and finding about the harassment, so on and so forth, then I'm like, you know what? If this woman is going through what she's going through at the hands of them, then she has the right to speak out on any platform that is willing to listen. Now, psychologically, I completely understand Nicki Minaj and Kenneth 
for wanting to remedy this situation in any way possible. I understand that. What I don't understand and what I don't agree with and what I think the ultimate wrong is in this situation is the constant harassment. All right, you reached out to the lady once. She said she was not interested. You tried, leave it alone. But to constantly harass this woman after she's been victimized by your husband is just wrong. I agree. Al, what do you think? Yeah, I think you have two things going on here. All right. Number one, you have a woman, if you watch that interview, is still very fearful for her life. Um, she's moved more than five times due to that fear. Um, she says she wanted to come out of the shadows and she wants to live in her truth. She wants her life back. She wants to stop being afraid of walking out of her house and, and being harassed. On the other hand, you have a worldwide superstar married to a sex offender. And Nikki's fighting for her family unit. Now, let me tell you, I was so interested in this that I actually looked up the national guidelines for the sex offender registration and notification. And now I see why she's so stressed out. It's a hundred page document. Do you know that as a sex offender, she can't take her son with her husband to Disneyland or Disney World or Universal or Chuck E. Cheese or any place where there are kids, uh, where there are kids or amusement parks where there are a large number of kids. She has to notify the school when if and when the husband's gonna pick up their child or attend a PTA meeting. Water parks, they're off limits. Gaming centers for the young man when he grows up and wants to play arcades or something. They can't even go on field trips with him because she's married to a sex offender. So I really, I, I, this is just, it's just a sad situation all around. But the biggest question to me is, and I know this is messy, but I wanna know how did the real scoop this story? Because this is probably one of the largest stories in this whole news cycle. I'm, I'm assuming she felt comfortable there, but, you know, I, I'm more concerned about how the fans are coming for this woman's neck mm. over everything else. Like, you be a fan of Nicki Minaj. Kenneth Petty's crime that he did commit and was convicted of, right, okay, um, does not take away from Nicki Minaj being a, a great artist. It doesn't. Mm. And I wish the fans could separate the two. Two things can be true at the same time. This man did what he did. And, and 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 Nicki Minaj is still successful, still good. She's great. But like, be careful about the lens you're willing to go to to make it convenient for you to take your kid and your husband to Chuck E. Cheese and go on trips. I saw a hurt woman on that interview and I right. felt everything that woman said. She came off extremely credible. She came and I understood what she was saying. And, and for people that want to say she's here for clout or for money, this happened like 20 years ago, right? 15, 20 years ago, if she wanted clout, she could have been wrote a book and talked about it. Clearly, she's not. But what, what happened was this is about Nick. This started on Nikki and Kenneth's side wanting to her to recant her story so they could be have the convenience of traveling around and get him off that sex registry, uh, you know, that list. This woman was minding her own business. She wasn't out there being loud, getting money. I have a friend that was raped by a celebrity as well. And it was a huge case. And when I tell you the disgusting things I had to hear about, I wish he'd rape me. Meanwhile, my mm. friend's having traumatic nightmares where I got to like wake her up. She's her, having snowballs and rocks thrown at her because people are a fan of the sex offender, the rapist. And I just want people to think about your sister, your mother, your aunts, your grandmothers, whatever. If they were raped, I don't care how long ago. Stop saying it happened 20 years ago. Stop saying it because unless you are held down and raped against your will, you'll never know how that feels. And you have no right to tell someone to get over it. And I just, I'm, I, I, I fell for that woman. And I was, you know, 
Claudia, I want to add from my understanding, a lot of people dropped under my comments and said that it was her fans in the first place that dredged all this up. Being super fans, they went digging all in his business and whatnot. And they're the ones that even brought all of this to the forefront. Prior to that, it was just kind of, you know, between the parties that knew. Well, I, I have a lot of respect. Married, being married to Nicki Minaj, it was going to come up. I, I mean, know. you know, it's it's just it's the nature of the beast. But, you know, the question that I kind of wonder is, do you think it would be this big of a deal? Would she be still sitting on that couch if we did not hear about him not registering in the state of California? Um, you know, that's a very good question. Um I think the only answer is the interview made for great ratings. So whether he registered or not, just as long as it still dominated the news cycle and that people still had an interest, there still would have been an interest in her because it, it made for great ratings. Okay. I always think I always tend to think about the victim, like screw the ratings, screw the talk show, whatever show got it. This is a woman that was raped, right? And then imagine it's some unknown guy on the st- a street dude in your neighborhood. And then years later, he marries one of the biggest superstars in the world. And not only do you have to rehash all of that, but now all these fans are coming after you. What does Nikki have? A hundred and some million fa- followers. And these fans need to just step back and just have a little compassion for this lady. We got to take a quick break. Great discussion, fellas. We got to take a quick break. We'll be back with more TGIF after the break. Welcome back to TGIF. Shout out to all 1,500 of you soulmates in the chat. Let's get it to 2,500. All right, y'all, let's get into this next story. Earlier this week, Ray J's manager, former manager, WAC 100, claimed to be in the possession of part two of an unreleased sex tape featuring Kim Kardashian and Ray J that he claimed is more graphic and better than the first one. Uh, He said that he would gift the tape to Kanye West. Now, Kim's attorney denied such a tape exists, but Ray J responded with this. This ain't cool. I've been staying off the radar, staying focused and uh, being humble and thankful for all the blessings I'm receiving. How can I show growth and maturity if this kind of stuff keeps happening? I'm a father now and my job is to be a great parent and put them first. This is not the message I want to send out. Well, there's an update. WAC 100 posted a photo of Kanye West on Instagram with the caption, great combo. My word is good. I'll get it right to you, bro. Like I said, I would appreciate your call. Good hearing from you. What are your thoughts on this mess? WAC 100's name is so fitting because this is WAC 100%. It's late. It's 10 years too late. No one cares. It's trifling on a black man level. It's trifling on a music producer level. It's trifling on a human being level. And at this point, I mean, the whole shock about a sex tape is the initial viewing of seeing these two people naked. At this point, no one even cares. This lady has moved on. Ray J's got kids. Um, it screams I'm desperate, irrelevant, and want somebody to pay a little bit of attention to me. And I'm glad that Kenya, Kenya, I'm glad that uh, Kim and Ray J have handled this with the elegance and class that they have. Al, what do you think about this? You Um, think there's a second tape? I think that, I think that, uh, there, there's something bigger going on in this story. Um, and let me share with you how you know the signs that there's something bigger. There's something bigger going on with WAC 100. And I'm going to say 
with Ray J. I'm not 100% sure, but I can smell it because the Kardashians brought out Marty Singer. Now, Marty Singer, if you don't know, is probably the best lawyer in all of the country. And I he has represented me as well. So when Marty Singer comes out and speaks on your behalf, it's for a really serious reason. And he's there to shut something down. And he said, absolutely not, that this is a lie. Because we all can agree that WAC 100, why is he saying anything? He's got kids. Uh, Kim's got four kids. Kanye's got kids. Ray and, and, and Precious, not Precious, oh my goodness. Princess. Princess. Got kids. I don't think this is about uh, uh, being a warning clout. This is about some unsettled beef that went south. And you don't pay Marty Singer to speak on stuff like this. Now, he can mess with Ray J, but he definitely is not going to mess with the Kardashians. I just don't get it either. Like, if there is a part two, I mean, I expect to be more footage. The first tape we all saw, it wasn't even that great. Who cares? And it, and it but it's, it, it spawned a huge career for the entire family. But, and we've already, she's been crucified. She's been dragged for it for, for, for years. I don't know why this is coming out right now. It does seem like a vindictive piece or being petty to be like Kanye, you know, I just, I don't know. It just seems real petty. I would urge him to put it out. I mean, listen, there's there's no level of embarrassment that she can experience with it that she hasn't already experienced. And there's no money to be made off of it. There, there, there really isn't. I mean, we've already seen it. So, well, she said, you know, it's to blame it on the ecstasy. She said she's taken ecstasy twice in her life. The first time she married the music producer, Damon, and the second time she made the sex tape. But child, she must have had some good ecstasy, unlike the stuff I had when I used to do it. But go on to the next story, Claudia, if I start telling all my business. Uh, all your business. Yeah. I used to hang with Kim right when that tape came out, and we had a few conversations about it. But that's going to be for another time. All right, y'all. Last week, it was revealed that Wendy Williams was in need of serious help after being hospitalized for a psychiatric evaluation. But that didn't stop her ex-husband, Kevin Hunter, from kicking off his birthday celebration with an interesting caption. Kevin wrote... B-Day vibes all week. So thankful to the most high God for all the blessings. I try to tell him health is wealth, not money. God said they'll learn. Have a blessed day. What do y'all think about this post? It reaps of bitterness. It reaps of hatred. What you mean they'll learn? You the one who did that lady wrong. You took that lady money, went and played in that other lady tussy cat, set up a whole nother compound with this woman, then walked off with a lot of Whitney, Wendy show money and just left her in shambles. Her lymphedema started acting up. Her alcoholism started acting up. Her Graves disease started acting up. Her credit started acting up. She started acting up. And you got the nerve to antagonize this lady. And they got her on the sick end, shut in list, down to the doggone Betty Ford. It's just ridiculous. And Kevin, you're you going to go to hell for this, you and Sharina. And Sharina should be somewhere, you know, Sharina should be somewhere keeping you on a tight leash while y'all selling the South of France, spinning up Wendy money. Leave this lady alone. You have already crushed her to reduced her to shambles already. Leave her alone and enjoy your life with your two-bit baby mama. Oh, mm. 
I feel that. All right, Al, what do you think about this? What do you have to add to this? I mean, is he throwing shade? Yes, but she made a whole movie and a series about how awful Kevin was. Like, come on, let's add the human, you know, aspect to this. And she's the queen of media and the blogs have drugged that man from here to California, if you will. So I'm just saying, like, he's never going to work again in entertainment, if, in my opinion. Um, his life is never going to get back on track. So I mean, he kept it cute. He didn't he didn't drag her too bad, but I would expect that he would when he gets a chance. What else? He, would got, you comp he got compensated for everything that she allegedly did him. Everything has a price. He walked off. He walked off with a lot of that lady money. OK, and it comes with the price. The price is you getting drugged. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and act like Kevin Hunter is any kind of victim because I could think I think a lot of Wendy's issues are based on that abusive of a relationship with that narcissistic ass uh, mm -hmm. wipe. And that's what he is. I mean, yeah, she told her story and she has the right to tell her story. Uh, and he was there every step of the way. He was OK with it when he was getting a, a big old percentage and chunk of her money and then setting up shop with a whole nother family. I don't feel bad for Kevin Hunter, but I thought that was really classless. You're the one that's a typical narcissist. You do the damage and then you go back and then you taunt them. That's what he's doing. Mm -hmm. All right. Kim Whitley is back uh, in the spotlight with another crazy story on TV One's Uncensored. This time she claims that back in the day, bad, uh, bad boy Bobby Brown hit her so hard that he made her bleed. She said, I don't know if he thought he was a vampire, but there was blood gushing out of my neck and everything. She said it was so bad she went down to the ground and security had to whisk him away. She said she was encouraged to sue him, but she decided not to go through with it. At this point, do we need Kim Willie to just pen a tell-all book? Because it seems like she got a lot of tea. This is just, I think this is just the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Kim Willie and her stories. Here's what's throwing me about Kim Whitley, what's fascinating me, and I'm giving away my age here. I remember Kim Whitley playing Miss Pigney on My Brother and Me on Nickelodeon. That was my first exposure to Kim Whitney. And then fast forward like 15, 20 years later, you know, I'm seeing her now doing the time joining stuff and friends with Sherry Shepard. I didn't even know Kim Whitney had a damn career. OK, I didn't even know in the 90s and in the early 2000s that she was anybody. Again, I only saw her on My Brother and Me. Now, this Unsung Uncensored special showed that she was a stand that she's been around for a very long time. She was a stand in on 227. Um, Gerald LeBert was singing in her tussie cat. She was hosting stuff with Bobby Brown bitter in the neck and all type of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm more fascinated about Kim Whitney having this long, extensive career than I am Bobby Brown biting her in the neck. It's his prerogative. He probably was on that stuff, had just hit that stuff in the limousine, but he got there and he was feeling real interview at a vampire light. But yes, she probably should pen a memoir because she know a whole lot of the secrets. Uh, what do you think? And Kim Whitley works. She worked a lot. Yeah, I didn't know her. Really is. I think I think Q, what you what Claudia has a has a finger on the pulse here. But I think in this particular case, I, I kind of feel a certain kind of way. You can tell that Kim is working with somebody in the media to help her pull up all of these good stories and and knowing the good ones to use in order to get media placement and coverage. And she's done a great job of getting coverage. She has three stories we've seen that we've all talked about here on the show. But I'm gonna have to defend Bobby Brown right here, guys, because Bobby Brown has been through a lot. He lost the love of his life in 2012. He 
he lost his daughter in 2015. He lost his son in 2020, and he's been battling with his own addiction. Can we just lay off of Bobby Brown a little while? So for me, I just I just wish you weren't using Bobby Brown for, you know, for the production. You know, Kim, we love you. We love TV One, and I definitely want everyone to go watch Uncensored. But I just let's let's give Bobby Brown a little pass, please. He uh, bit her. It's her story. He bit her neck. It's, it's her. Like I, 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 I can't. I don't. I don't have to not tell a piece of my life because as of now, you going through some things. Like right. he bit the lady in the neck. I get it. I'm just saying me. Y'all don't have to agree with me. I'm just saying for me, I don't feel comfortable talking bad about him because he's been through a lot. Louis lost a daughter, lost a son, lost a loved one and dealing with addiction. I mean, he's going through a lot. I just feel like let's find a different story. And I'm sure you got plenty that we can use to get coverage on page six. That's all I'm saying. Well, Kim Willie's on E now. She's working for E. She's doing her thing mainstream. And uh, again, it's her story. If you don't want to be talked about for biting someone on their neck and gushing blood comes out, then maybe you shouldn't do it. I feel for him now, but that's part of her story. That's part of his story too. All right, y'all. I want to hear your opinion on this next topic because it's on one of our favorite topics. Uh, a United Kingdom-based teen was curious to see the length of his woodpecker. He inserted a USB cable into his penis via his urethra and it got stuck. Now, when he started urinated blood, he was taken to the hospital. When he went to the emergency room, it was asked what made him insert the cord. He said it. he did it to measure the length of his penis, triggered by sexual curiosity. Um, I, I don't even know what question to ask about this. I mean, I, I'm sure y'all have measured your thing, but I'm, there's got to be a better way to measure your thing without putting. And how'd you get the end of the USB cord in the urethra? What y'all think about this story? Al, why don't you go first on this one? I want to hear your thoughts on this. I'm on the wrong side of every story, and I'm going to be on the wrong side of this one again. Maybe I need to start drinking again. It's just something about talking about a minor's penis that I, I, I just don't feel comfortable doing. I don't know how this got on the top topics, but I will pass to Q on this one. I don't want to talk about a minor's penis. Sorry. <laughs> I've been cringing. I couldn't even read the entire story. Let me tell y'all something. I don't see many a penis. And all the ones I don't seen and fool I lied with ain't never had no urethra big enough to stick no damn USB cord in it. Okay. I I, I just I believe the children are our future and we are doomed. Okay. We are doomed. Uh I, I have so many questions about this. I mean, you know, any man can attest to spreading that area of the penis, it hurts. Um, it definitely should have been hurting long before you were able to even get the cord <laughs> down there, yet alone start feeding it down the urethra. It's this is uh it's definitely cringeworthy, and I just don't even understand how how this even happened. It's almost unbelievable. Okay, so so we won't talk about the teen so much, but how about some some penis facts? <laughs> since he was since this was all about measuring, right? So I went and did my little Google search about penis size. And um, since he was so curious about his size, the largest penis is this Mexican guy. It's 18.9 inches long, but he's been pulling it for like years and he has it all bandaged up. Okay. Uh, before that, the record was 9.5 inches flaccid and 13.5 inches erect. That's a lot of meat. Uh, the world's, uh, the average length of an erect penis is 5.35 inches. And they broke it down by countries. 
the, the smallest, the biggest country was the Democratic Republic of Congo, averages seven inches. And the smallest, this is why they stay mad and want to bomb and be so strict and have them goofy haircuts, is North Korea. So some oh, wow. penis facts for y'all. And only 3% of men worldwide are over eight inches. So as much as they tell you, everybody want to say they in a magnum, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 stop lying fools, folks alright y'all we're going to take a quick break on that note and get off the uh, the minor penis thing and we'll be right back with some more TGIF <laughs> welcome back to TGIF alright y'all um, let me talk about this reserve bar it's the online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine and champagne visit reservebar.com to create the perfect home bar or have the ideal gift delivered it's also where you'll find the best and new and hard to find bottles and those celebrity spirits you have always wanted to try. Now, look, no one does spirits gifting better than Reserve Bar. You can even have a bottle custom engraved with a name, date, or logo to create the perfect gift. Now, you can build your dream home bar at Reserve Bar. Just select the spirits and wine you love. They'll also got the glassware and mixing tools that you need. Now, Reserve Bar offers the Cocktail Lounge, your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and the stories behind your favorite brands. And ready-to-drink cocktails taste better than ever, and Reserve Bar has them. And the pre-mixed drinks are great to have on hand for outdoor events. Visit ReserveBar.com today and use promo code T to save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine or pre-made cocktails but only when you use your special offer at reservebar.com with code t from us now that's reservebar.com code t now this offer expires december 31st 2021 so go ahead and get your order in we'll be right back with more tgif after the break Hey guys, welcome back to TGIF. I am Claudia Jordan, joined by Al Reynolds and Funky Dineva. All right, y'all, back to the hot topics. A mother and daughter who are not doctors and have no medical training whatsoever are headed to the big house after botching a woman's BBL that ultimately led to her death. Now, the woman received three separate procedures and died immediately after the third one. She told friends she was having surgeries because she wanted to work in the adult film industry. Now, the chemicals used during her surgery are not intended to be used on humans and can attack the heart, the brain, and the kidneys. Our thoughts and prayers go out to her family. Now, let's take a look at the photos of this mother and daughter duo, and would you guys trust them to do a BBL on you? Oh, hell. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's yep. giving me very Lord of the Rings. Um, Planet elf. of the 80s, just don't very. Do as I, don't do my surgery. Yeah. The, the surgery was you know, bad. Here's the thing for me. For me, the, the real story here is not even the botched BBLs, the, the backroom BBLs, because the trans the trans people have been doing it at the back of the Holiday Inn, and women and some of you got celebrities have been getting it. This is the story of what came first, the chicken or the egg. This is definitely a crime of opportunity. And these people only exist because the insecurities of women and their bodies exist. I think that is the problem. And that's the conversation 
moving forward that we need to be having 2021 forward? Why is it that women feel the pressure to have extreme body modifications in order to feel and look beautiful? For me, that's the real conversation that needs to be had. People don't always commit crimes when there's an opportunity. So for me, this is really a non-story. Okay. You want to answer, Al, or do you want me to go? You want me to go? Uh, no. What were you going to say? I was going to say, as a woman, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, what I feel. It's, it's again, like you said, kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know what I mean? Like, um, is it with the women feeling like it left out because the women that do have that or the trans women that have that, they get revered, they get praised. So you're like, I need that. You know what I mean? I don't know. Luckily, I focus on other things. I don't care about that kind of stuff. But it, it's a trend. It's so common. People that before it was people in the community, right? Then you saw people in hip hop and now you see it's so mainstream. You see people that have nothing to do with the entertainment business, just a, a soccer mom walking around with this big flesh colored diaper on looking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And the BBLs, I looked at uh, the most dangerous and risky surgery. That's the surgery that m- most people die. And they say one in 3000 people that get those surgeries die. That's, uh, that's a pretty large number. I, th- I would think, you know, yeah. Al, what do you it think probably, about the surgery? It probably has to do with a lot of them getting them as well. Go ahead, Al. You know, I, I agree with both of you on this one, but I think in this particular case, as I read more on the story and I read the police report, this is where this case gets interesting. The paramedics, the paramedics who picked her up, right, because the, the two women that you saw in the picture abandoned the house after they called 911. But when the paramedics arrived, right, and they took the young lady to the emergency room, she was still alive. So what happened was when she got to the emergency room, there were attending doctors, which are basically physicians that are in medical school. They left her unattended because allegedly the paramedics did not inform her, inform the doctors that there was actually complications because of silicone injections. So she actually died in the in the emergency room because she was unattended. Well, we're not going to say because she was unattended. I mean, <laughs> we going to say had the- subsequently unattended as a result of. You know, just, you know, you could have probably had someone told them what the deal was. They would they have been probably did something, clawed or something, and they would have administered, or they they would have followed a different protocol. Is all I'm saying. I just want to point I, out. One. Go ahead, Claudia. No, no, you go ahead. I don't point out one 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 thing that's fascinating how trends in fashion change. When I was in college between the years of 2001 and 2005 at Florida State, it's predominantly white school. A lot of the white girls had the flat booties, and that's when Abercrombie and Fitch skirts and and and, and Aeropostale and all that was popular. That's what we wore back then. And mm-hmm. I will never forget uh, a white guy and a white girl. We were talking in student government, and the white guy was saying that girls with big butts in their culture they consider it fat. Because we were laughing at this white girl because she had this white denim skirt on and her ass looked like a piece of plywood. And they were like, that's how we like it. Like they considered curves to be fat. And it's just so funny how things have changed. Granted, the woman that died was a panic descent. But I even see white women now at the gym with these big old booties. So it's just fascinating to me how they went from honoring and celebrating big, big boobs and flat ass to now one in the ass. Well, so I'll you, tell you why. It's because more it's more acceptable to have to have to be with black men. All these women that are not all, a lot of the women that are doing this are attracted to black men. So guess what they do? They don't have the the, the curvy butt, they get it injected. Here's the money for this or that, or you know, whatever. But the back in the Kim when she first 
I remember black, white men saying that she was fat and I'm like, she's not fat. She's curvy. And they thought that was like a ill thing, not like a, a, a desire thing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's more of these white women are getting black D. So they're going to get the booties to get those black men. Right. Yeah. Al? What you think? I, I mean, I, I, there's just so many aspects to this because, you know, the strippers with the booties, I think, I just think people want the attention of having a fat ass. I, I mean, I just feel like that that now is the it thing. Like, I don't know. Because I mean, I'm like, I remember, I remember when I, like when I was coming through college and I don't want to tell my age, you know, the women who had the bigger breasts are the women who got more attention. Like, you know, especially in the, you know, my white friends, white male friends, they always were after the women with the big breasts. And now it's just the opposite. Now they want to see a woman with some ass. So Al, you got the biggest ass out of three of us. So mm-hmm. what's the attention you do? Like your butt, and it sits high. So it how? How's real it? High. <laughs> this is gonna happen. Well, as you guys have seen from hanging out with me, I luckily I don't get a lot of attention from having a high booty. To hell you! The lies you tell. <laughs> lies. You know, we're all that traffic on Collins Avenue, baby, outside the Fiena. But we're going to say that for our memoir, Claudia. <laughs> right. I remember that button, that, that them, them pants, them slacks with the booty just as high. Okay. Um, we're going to get to this topic that uh, is definitely a little more serious. The uh, G- Gabby Petito case. Have y'all been following this case? Mm-hmm. So the story blew up on TikTok after it was reported that a white woman went missing on a cross-country trip with her fiance. Which pays the, his other baby's moms, including... C- I've been found in the Bridgerton National Forest, and police are searching for her fiance, who's been missing since last Tuesday. Well, MSNBC's Joy Reid, now she's been letting folks have it lately. She had Twitter in a frenzy after calling out the media and their inconsistencies when it comes to reporting on stories of missing people of color. Now, she recognizes that Petito's family deserves justice, for sure. She's not saying that they don't deserve justice because, you know, they have a, a missing loved one, a, a dead loved one. But check out what Reed said. She says, it goes without saying that no family should ever have to endure that kind of pain. She went on to say, but the way this story has captivated the nation has many wondering, why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Now, mm-hmm. do you think the media has played a part in this case of what Reed calls the missing white woman syndrome? What do y'all think? You know, I think this is another one of those stories that the 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 meats and potato is deeper than the actual story. And it's another one of those which comes first, the chicken or the egg. We all know that the media business is in the headline advertising business. Right? Let me take that. The media is not even the media. The media is the advertising business. And the way that works is what headline can I create that will draw the most eyeballs? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? So the question is, the media plays stories that they know people will have an interest in. The question that we need to be asking is why, as a nation, white and people of color, we're not interested when people of color or or indigenous people get missing. You know, I, I just feel like while everybody should get the same media coverage, I feel like we would not have the same response if that face was black or if that face was Native American, or if that face was Latina, we as a nation would not be as moved to chorus as we were with that blue-eyed, blonde-eyed white girl. And that's where the true answer to this question lies. It's not the media, it's why is it as a nation, as people of color and white people, we're not as moved when the face is black. 
Al, what do you think about this? I agree. I mean, I, can't, I couldn't have said it better. I mean, that, I, I feel like that's one of the main reasons. They know when they show uh, a white female that looks angelic and... and, 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 and Nero's lawyers say that it's wrong, that he has to keep... And it's going to spread like wildfire. And I think, you know, but I, I love the fact that Joy is using her platform to force us to understand the narrative and for us to change the narrative. So, I, I mean, I, 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 I just love the way she addressed it. I loved her calling it missing white woman syndrome. I loved her giving it a name the same way Cube said that we should start a white uh, registry, uh, uh, Karen registry. Karen registry. I just feel like that you're making people accountable and people like Joy are making people accountable using her platform to do it. And I'm enjoying it. Well, I, a sad thing is, before we go to the next story, is in that same area in the last, like, it was like a 10-year span, 700 indigenous women went missing. Nobody made any stink about it. I just heard about it yesterday for the first Me time too. because uh-huh. of joy. And and that's that's really sad that white is so high at the top of the totem pole for white people and for us sometimes. We got to stop that nonsense. There's lots of black folks that we need to go be checking for and spreading and making it go viral. All right, y'all. Uh, speaking of black person that went missing, because this person ain't been black for a while, Candace Owens. She's not here for people calling it the white missing the 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 missing white woman syndrome. She tweeted yesterday. I learned about missing white woman syndrome. Can someone fill me in what syndrome is that causes us to ignore every white person that is killed by a police officer, but demands that we burn cities across the world to the ground for thugs like George Floyd? And she proceeded to say so basically. It's very important that black people shut up and say nothing when crimes are committed against black victims, but also very important that we get angry and ask why white victims get so much attention when crimes are committed against them. What are your thoughts on this raccoon? I mean, on Candace Owens and and what she has to say against her people. Because why is why is this bitch like this? Why complete, complete conflation of issues. The two are completely unrelated. And the only thing in energy I'm going to give her is that she never misses an opportunity to be contradictory and contrarian to the black community. That's all I got for. What, what, can you read that first two sentences again? Did she tell us to shut up because we're getting killed? Read that just one more time. I just okay. want to understand. Okay. She, I think she we all so, cancel her. Let me hear it one so, more time. She said, so basically, it's very important that black people shut up and say nothing when crimes are committed against black victims, oh, but also yeah. very important. Yeah, she no, no. she wants the white victims to get and calling George Floyd a thug. She's on that nonsense again. So I guess it's his fault that he was killed because he was a thug in Candace Owens' mind, just like Trayvon Martin was a thug in Tamir Rice. And I guess the point out that she was trying to drive home was that we only get mad when white people kill us, but don't get mad when black people kill us. I think that's the point. That's the the shit she's been on this entire time. I'm the, I just wish I could use some of Nicki Minaj's fans to, to go harass her <laughs> and shut her down for us. That's what that's what I would like to see. I think we should uh, cancel uh, Candace Owens. And, and you and you want to know what's funny now that I think about it. Now that I, now that I think about it, and, and here's what we've got to do as the media. And I actually challenge us to do it. It actually isn't the white media that gives Candace Owens attention. It's black people because we are so outraged by the crap that she says. And then our outrage in turn gives her popularity. I think it's time as a black media co- co- coalition that we just decide we're not going to mention her anymore. And she because white people really don't care about her. They really don't. They really don't. They use her as a pawn against us. 
because we express outrage, but they don't care about her. I think they care about her because she's she's an ignorant voice to neutralize our agenda. And they definitely support her. They fly that only only because we respond to it. Mm. She's she's a black woman that that white people can claim and like like a like a Clarence Thomas, you know, like I, I have black friends, but they don't really F with her like that. That's the, what they use outwardly to make themselves feel comfortable that they do support us, but we don't rock with her. Anyways, we got a quick commercial break and shout out to over 2,000 people Woo! in the chat. All right, y'all, we'll be right back with more TGIF after this. All right, guys, last night, a new drama series premiered on Fox called Our Kind of People, and it stars Morris Chestnut, Yaya DaCosta, Nadine Ellis, Lance Gross, Joe, Joe Morton, and many, many more talented Black actors. We have a clip. Let's take a look. This is the perfect time for this show because it's long overdue. The black elite, a group of people who have had money for a very long time, who will pass it on from generation to generation, which is a part of black culture that we've never seen. for you. Don't do it. Every Wednesday in financial stratospheres, but dealing with the same struggles. It's a story of triumph. There's a lot that I think people are just going to connect to. It's entertainment that will take the audience on a roller coaster ride of emotions. I don't think anything like this has been seen on TV, so it's really exciting. The show takes place in the elite community of Oak Bluff in Marcus Vineyard. Angela Vaughn comes to this community to establish a black hair care product business in a property that has been left to her by her mother. The drama ensues when the rich, wealthy socialite Leah DuPont refuses to accept either her or her family into the community. And then after that, all kinds of juicy plot twists explode getting to have these characters be seen in their true essence and beauty and blackness. It's going to be so much fun. There's a thin line between love and hate. And I think that these characters are constantly teetering that line back and forth. The emphasis on hair as a way of asserting one's identity is something that I thought was very important. There's always room for champagne. Like, there's always a reason for an event. So you get a little taste of everything. Bouginess and blackness, what's not to like? It's everything that you want in a show, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. A lot of people feel that money cures all, but not exactly. There's no dull moment in this show. There's drama, there's tragedy, there's love. And then it gets spicy. This is a look at what it means to be black in America, holding the American dream in black hands. You're not gonna wanna change the channel, and you're gonna wanna come back every week. <laughs> they are going in in the comments they're saying this show was excellent anise jones says it's excellent good show yaya is stunning uh generational wealth our our people is great uh, they are going in like it seems like everyone in the ch- in the chat has uh, watched the show. What do y'all think about the first episode? Q, what do you think? Let me tell you something. You know, a show is good when it captivates you and just like the opening scene. I'm not gonna spoil it for those who did not see it, but Teddy Franklin played by Joe Morton. That opening monologue that Papa Pope did, baby. It beyond that, I, I knew I was hooked and I was gonna be a fan. Then, so if y'all haven't seen it, you gotta go watch. 
I'm ready. Yeah. Life is coming back. I, I, like, I can't, I, I agree with you on this one. This is like black excellence. And the difference here is that it's black excellence that's also struggling with power, greed, sex, money, influence. And for finally, it's around a business and generational wealth and not drugs or entertainment. And shout out to Derek J being lead on that show. Just, you know, that show is definitely uh, prioritized. It's highlighting black hair. And uh, great, congrats to him. Reality TV show, hairstylist, reality show uh, participant, and now he's doing his thing. So shout out to everyone involved. And make sure you check out and support Alcana People every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time on Fox. And you can watch it anytime on Fox Now and Hulu. So make sure you support. All right, y'all, we got like four minutes left. We got to, uh, can we get into this? We can hit on this 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 Diddy and 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 Jermaine Dupri story real quick because you know all the versus battles going on. Jermaine Dupri wants to you know to battle with Diddy, but Diddy is not here for it. He said, "You don't hit to rock with me." Uh, what do you think about this? I, is this just Diddy being shady, or does he have a, a point? He said, "The only one I can rock with, I can rock with him and hang with him, is Dre." What do y'all think? Oh. I don't understand this at all because let's let's just take a little skip real quick down memory lane. Now, Diddy only has five number one hits that he's written, produced, or featured on. Jermaine Dupri has 11. So what is Diddy talking about? When I think of Diddy, I think of Diddy as an era from 1996 to 2004, like maybe, I mean, uh, two, yeah, 2004, like maybe 10 years starting with Notorious Big. Whereas, fuck freaking JD, Jermaine Dupri, TLC, Usher, Mariah Carey, Criss Cross, Brat. His hits span before Diddy came on the scene, during Diddy, while Diddy was on the scene, and after Diddy's on the scene. So I'm just confused on where he's even saying that that, uh, Jermaine Dupri's arms are too short to box with him. That was such shade. And meanwhile, Diddy has produced about 250 songs. Jermaine Dupri has produced 400 songs. Now we can talk about the number of hits, but what do y'all think? What do you think about this, Q? I know you about to light somebody up. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, at the very end of the day, I think Diddy has always been good at one thing and that's marketing. I think Diddy is building up momentum and interest and animosity and curiosity around this verse. I think that we're going to reach a point where finally one of two things is going to happen. Him and JD are going to have the verses and it's going to be great. Or he's going to poke and prod Dr. Dre long enough to to the point where Dr. Dre is going to step in the ring and it's going to be great. Either way, it's going to be great for the culture. While Diddy may not have had as many number one hits, Diddy still have records that are, you know, they might have been number 15, but they are solidified in hip hop and R&B history that still make us move and groove. I mean, you got Mary J. Blige, you got Biggie, you got Faith, you got, you know, 112. I mean, his might not have hit number one, but they are still black anthems. So we can't take that away from them. Yeah, I thought that was a that was not necessary. I, I I think that's a dope versus. I think that they'd be perfect to go against each other. And we'll be pleasantly surprised about uh, the number of hits that both of them have. All right, y'all, let's try to get this game in real quick. Before we wrap tonight's show, I want to bring back our, our version of Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels. But here on TJF, we're calling it Tea Time. Funky Dineva, Al. Oh, okay. Okay. Ooh, dirty Diana. Okay. Yeah. Funky Taniva, Al and I will reveal secrets that we have never told even our partners. Well, we only have one minute, so I, uh, I don't think we should because, you know, I got a lot of secrets, so maybe we should do it on Friday, honey. You can do one. Let's just, let's just do one. Okay. Uh, tell us about your first sexual encounter. Whoever wants to go first. It was behind my mama's house, behind the air conditioner. 
unit in the backyard. <laughs> Al? <laughs> it was at some, uh, uh, not park, like some like, uh, what do you call it when they send your kids away? <laughs> Summer camp? Yeah. Camp, yeah, I was at some camp, and I think like most people, you explore everything at camp. You're just glad to be away from home. So mine was definitely at a camp. Mine was on a mattress on the floor, and he was a security guard, and he I liked him because he reminded me of Ronnie DeVoe, and that's when New Edition was super popping, and he could say he hit it first. All right, y'all, I want to thank my co-hosts, Funky Dineva and Al Reto. So thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for watching us on YouTube, all 2000 something, y'all. Stay tuned. The Tammy Mac Show is up next. We'll see y'all next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.